Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is The Guardian. Feels to me that one of the risks we run on this is that it runs as this sterile debate about the constitution and we lose the heart out of it because when people come into it with the heart saying, I want to be convinced that this is going to work, then what's being put on the table is totally acceptable and totally reassures people. Hello, I'm Paul Karp, Chief Political Correspondent at Guardian Australia, and today I'm with Essential Media's Executive Director, Peter Lewis. It's our fortnightly Essential Poll special on the Australian Politics Podcast. Essential has made a big update on the way they're asking voters about the referendum on the Indigenous voice, which gives us a more nuanced way to understand current public sentiment on the voice. So let's get into the latest results. Hello, Peter. Hey, Paul. But first, let's start with the most important question of this political fortnight. Are the Poms whingers or are the Aussies cheats? Well, I think um, virtue is clearly in the eye of the beholder. So we did test the Australian public on their views of Stumping Gate from Lords last week, Paul. 48% of Australians think that the Australians were totally justified. Um, another 20%, I wouldn't have done it, but the English need to get over it. 9%, same old Aussies, always cheating. 16%, What's the ashes anyway? Um, the only interesting thing, because I do, like everything, need to um, <laughs> cross-tab these results, there was a huge difference in age. Like many things, our political point of cleavage is generation. So whereas older 55s, 62% um, totally justified, 21% wouldn't have done it, but get over it. Amongst the under 35s, it was 32 35 between backing in the Australians totally and saying, oh, I don't feel totally right about it, but also 24% taking the un-Australian position that they don't even know what the ashes are. So come on, younger Guardian listeners. I know Guardian's got some great coverage of the cricket at the moment, both from the Australians over there, like Jeff Lemon, who I've played many games of cricket against, and um, some of the British writers. So get into the ashes. That's the big contest. Five days is obviously too long to squeeze in the, into the TikTok and the, the shorter formats that are uh, <laughs> beloved of the younger generations. So. Yeah, they probably are better, better, better placed around baseball. And we'll talk a bit more about baseball in a moment because that is the metaphor I have tortured this week um, when we talk about the voice. Yes, you see links about uh, how, how aggressive one plays and, and the fairness that one brings to the game uh, between cricket and fighting a referendum campaign. 
Yeah, my, my theory is the No campaign is running um, a version of political baseball where they're just flaying away, um, trying to keep the crowd excited and defining what virtue is. We saw over the last week, as reported in The Guardian, some really unsavoury tactics from the No campaign, including the weaponising of quite a racist newspaper ad, some push polling that doesn't pass the sniff test and those attacks on so-called Indigenous elites, which are people that... Um, have basically managed to find a way to give something back to the communities that they come from. So I think we're in this dangerous water where one side is really trying to change the game but also own the virtue and the other side, again, torturing my metaphor, is more about accumulating methodically the connections and the linkages we need um, to, to move the nation forward. Now, I think, as I've said previously, we are, yes, 23 campaign partners, so we're unapologetic about the position we're taking. But even stepping back from that, it seems to me there are two different games being played and it's a really a contest of different models of politics. One, hyper-aggressive, take no prisoners and don't really care about what the implications are and the other just trying to work through the systems of politics that we've come to not love, but the way that we build alliances and consensus across the community. And it's just interesting to see how those two cultures are clashing at the moment and creating so much noise, which is having the effect, I think, of making a lot of people that aren't totally um, across the detail of the debate feel really uncomfortable about the whole thing. And I'm not talking about the ashes now, I'm talking about the voice. Now, let's go to the voice results. What did you find in terms of top line support or opposition to the voice? Yeah, so we have 47 support for the proposition when it's reproduced as it will on the ballot paper, 43 opposition with 10% don't know. Listeners that have listened to this podcast previously will know that that's different from the formulation we put forward previously. We've been running one where we've been forcing a choice. We've been looking at that and we made the decision to include don't knows, a bit like we do with two party plus with our political in that we think the, as the election gets closer, the undecideds become really important in this and it's really important to see them. If people were taking that out and trying to turn that into the two-horse race, I think it's fair to say those numbers are down from where it was at 60-40 a month ago. But I also think there was something going on in the way the questions were being framed where a lot of the don't knows on our evidence were landing in yes but not being committed to yes. So we are pretty confident this gives a pretty good lodestar of where things are. We've got the differences still coming out in terms of age again. Amongst over 55s, it's 58, 34, no. Um, 35 to 54s, it's basically line ball, 45, 43, 13% underside. And then with younger people, it's 68, 22, yes. So this is really an issue that's cleaving along generational lines Um in quite a profound way, um, unsurprising. And also partisan lines as well. Uh, the coalition voters was also the lowest support. The over 55s and the coalition voters was about only one in three for yes. Correct. Although I look at that, the coalition, given I've lost my progressive base already to the teal, so they're now sitting in the minor independent, you've got another third of your voters who are yes and 
while it's also true that 26% of Labor voters say no, I think you've got to look at the way the two campaigns are being run. So I, my sense is that the aggressive no that is being prosecuted by the coalition has a greater propensity to be pushing back coalition voters than yes, than the the more moderate sort of walk together sort of message, which Labor's running as part of that yes alliance, which while not all Labor voters agree with it, it doesn't have the same jarring effect. They're not passing judgment the same way, I don't think. Amongst Greens, it's 73, support 18, opposed nine undecideds. And then you've got that mix of minor parties and independents where it's 68, 25. I don't think this is terrific reading for the Yes campaign. I'll just also talk about the states on these numbers. Marginally ahead in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, WA. We don't get enough numbers to have a real lodestar on um, Tassie and Queensland behind 50, 42%, 8% undecided. But it's not a scoreboard. It's very clear that the undecideds, and there's some, still some soft yes and soft no's that are very much in play, and it's now basically going to be a battle between the media war and the ground war where there are you know, far more volunteers and organisations um, supportive of yes, but having the work to do to reach out in their communities if they want to get this over the line. And just going back to the methodology change, what can we say about those 10% of people who are now saying that they are unsure? You've said most of them have come off the yes pile because you weren't confident that forced choice was giving an accurate reflection, but what else do we know about those people? They're more likely to be in the middle stage of their life, marginally more likely to be Labor voters, which is interesting. Gender females more likely to be undecideds, but they're quite a small sample, so it's hard to build a profile. And we've been running various focus groups as well, and there are so many people that are coming into this totally cold. You and I, because we live and breathe politics, much like I think the people listening to this podcast would be going, how can people not have a view yet? But it's really just the start of the journey for so many people. And one thing I have observed is that when people enter the conversation or the the choice around the proposition of changing the constitution to recognise people through a voice with a sense of this is a good thing to do and I just want to be reassured that it is going to do what it says, that Indigenous people support it and that it will make a meaningful difference or conversely, the status quo is not working, so let's try something different. The detail works really well. It's when people are coming with kind of an attitude of what's this, looking to poke holes in it, that the same information seems to open more and more holes. So I've been reflecting on this over the last couple of weeks. It's not, you know, often we think of polarisation through the whole um, analogy of filter bubbles. People live in their own worlds and they're, they're, they're consuming different bits of information and constructing different realities. What's quite interesting about this debate is that the same bit of information is seen by people differently depending on what they're bringing to the conversation in the first place. It feels to me that one of the risks we run on this is that it runs as this sterile debate about the constitution and we lose the heart out of it. Because when people come into it with the heart saying, 
I want to be convinced that this is going to work, then what's being put on the table is totally acceptable and totally reassures people. The people that we're not getting are those that don't have that desire for change in their heart at the moment. So then it becomes, so what is going on with us as a nation that, you know, for many of us, and I I think it bears out in the stats, that younger group who have grown up with the whole normalising of the idea of respect for First Nations cultures and commitment to reconciliation being far more on board. If your heart's there, the head will follow. But if you lead with the head, a bit like anyone that's gone through life banging the head against the brick wall, then it's pretty hard to sort of get through. Yeah, it's quite a bind therein because we've spoken about this before that you want to energise progressive voters by telling them that the voice is going to make a big practical difference to Indigenous Australians' lives. But you've also got, you know, people who are unsure about the change or or soft yes or soft no who just want to hear that it's only one step further than symbolic recognition and it's not a radical change to the constitution and whatnot. So it's they're constantly trying to get these two messages out at the same time that it's just good manners, it's small but significant. Uh, You know, how do you say it's going to change people's lives Mm. but it's not a big change? And you can't have both. You can't reassure it's going to be nothing and it's going to be something. You've got to actually choose what it is that you're having the conversation about. And I think that as the proposition matures and the voter choice becomes clearer, I think that will also settle as well. One more stat that might be worth sharing, Paul, was that we were interested in sort of the profile of a yes voter versus a no voter. Another question we asked this week was around civic participation. And what we found when people said they were actively engaged in their community, they were far more likely to vote yes. So I've volunteered in the last 12 months, 55, 36, yes. Um, I've donated to a charity in the last 12 months, 51, 42, yes. Um I've attended a public meeting in the last 12 months, 68, 27, yes. I'm part of a team or community group, which isn't so much political, just, you know, playing footy, 56, 37, yes. So, and then a final one, a statement, do you agree that most people in politics are there for the right reason? Now, we didn't get an overwhelming majority of people agreeing with that, but for those who do, it's 57, 36%, yes. So... None of this is necessarily causation, but it's definitely a correlation between people who are more civically engaged and people that are open to accept the invitation that has been put forward through the referendum process. Mm. So if you're sitting at home uh, watching Sky After Dark and uh, don't talk to your neighbours or go to community meetings, you're more likely to vote no. And if you're also listening to the Guardian podcast, you're a very strange cat. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you get out of your house, you attend meetings and you're civic-minded enough to think that government can be a force for good, then you, then you vote yes. Basically. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Now, we asked some cost of living questions again. Uh, The last time you did this set was in April and you found a similar proportion of people are worried about cost of living, but there are differences after a few months in terms of what people think government should be doing about it. So what did you find here? So let's go down the list. So um, for each of the following, indicate whether you're comfortably able to afford it, finding it a bit difficult or really struggling like that. The numbers struggling hasn't really gone up on household expenses, which includes mortgage and rent. It's gone up from 25 to 28, those that are really struggling, which is, you know, over a quarter of the population. On all of these, it's sort of like 20, high 20s to 30s that people 
are saying they can comfortably afford. You've got about 45% in the middle finding it a bit difficult and between 20 and 30% really struggling. Um, impact on cost of living, how much difference do you think the federal government could make to the cost of living? A lot, 30%, 41%, a fair amount, 17%, not that much, 5%, hardly anything. So they're not, they're not giving it a leave pass, which is interesting. Can we talk about our um, $100 allocation? Before we get to that, can we look at the list of specific oh, government sorry. interventions? Yeah. Here we go. Because I, I thought it was very interesting this week that people still think the government has a big role in fixing the cost of living. But when you asked about each of the specific measures, like price caps for electricity and gas, reduction in fuel excise, cheaper childcare, income tax cut, the support for each individual measure is down. So what do you think's behind that? Well, let's look at these government measures. So 73% want to see a cap on price for electricity and gas. That's, that is down from 77. And all of these were in the sort of the, about 4 or 5% higher last time we asked it in April. 65% support a reduce in fuel excise, 61% all up for increasing the minimum wage. Childcare cheaper, 55, that's actually down from 66. Um, cutting income taxes has actually dropped from 60 to 53, almost reaching that. <laughs> I don't know if there needs to be a name for it, but when you get less than 50% of people wanting cuts to income tax, I think we've crossed a threshold of um, national fiscal rectitude and changing industrial laws to make it easier for workers to negotiate pay rises. 49% support um, or saying that it will make a difference and government should do it. And again, that's down from 57. My general observation is when things get hard, people are given a list of things the government should do and they say, do it all. It's not quite there at the moment, but there is, and I think the government is quite successfully prosecuting the case that there are some things that government do that might seem like a good idea that will have perverse consequences. So I think particularly Jim Chalmers has been really good at saying that we just can't spend our way out of trouble because it does create more problems in terms of pressure on inflation. And while, you know, we are not a nation of economic graduates, I think that that piece of education is starting to cut through that. And that does bear fruit when we do look at the little exercise we gave people where we said, hey, um, there's a surplus of $19 billion if that was $100, where would you allocate it? So we did an allocation exercise with a number of areas and it is quite revealing in that the measures to sort of reduce national debt and maintain the surplus so additional spending doesn't make Australia's inflation problem worse represented 25% of the money. So they didn't put all the money into the piggy bank to stop those effects, but a quarter of it went there. The other thing that stands out here, Paul, is that the largest allocation, if the nation was allocating that $100 budget, was construction of social housing, which is $23. And I think that's interesting because that's something that is logjammed in the Senate. I guess there's two readings of that. One, the government would say, look at all this support for social housing. Why are you holding it up? Greens and the Greens would be saying, look at the support for housing. We've got to hold the line and keep pushing further on it. I think it's, it's interesting in saying and of all the things, if you said to the nation, you're running the budget, you've got the money, where is it going? It's going to housing and then national debt. 
Um, I've already seen the Teal Independent Kate Cheney from the WA seat of Curtin seizing on this result saying, you know, see, we've been calling for a citizens assembly on housing and, and this shows that you know, it's a top concern of voters and this is the sort of exercise we should be giving, you know, mm. more ideas would be coming if we if we brought people to discuss it instead of par- in Parliament in uh, in a group of citizens. So now The other one here that's interesting is only $14 of the $100 would go to a one-off tax cut to ease the cost of living. So if one of the options was give me the money, people don't want much of it. In $100, they only want $14. And I'd almost put that in the fiscal constraint bucket too. So I'm going to increase that from 25% to 40% is being responsible. I think your answer to the list of government measures and the observation here, I think the warnings about uh, inflation are definitely reaching people because the the answers about reducing national debt and maintaining the surplus together are quite popular responses. And yeah, people haven't gone for the sugar hit of the one-off tax cut that you, you might expect that they would want. Yeah. They haven't also gone for renewables and EVs, which is interesting, just six bucks there. I suspect that's because people think that money's starting to flow anyway, rather than um, because they don't want any money in there. Because this was, this was different. Often if you gave a list like this, people would just say, and I've got sick of running these polls. Which are the important, very important, somewhat important, not very important? And everyone goes, everything's important. So if you say, here's just a hundred bucks, how are you going to spend it? You, at least you get a sense of people's um, different priorities. Nine dollars for military support to Ukraine. Uh, it's towards the lower end of this list of measures, but when you think about the actual federal budget, I mean that's that would be generous. And one of those glorious sort of things that comes out for some reason, if you're under thirty-five, you're much more likely to want to be spending money to the Ukraine. I don't know if that's because you're following Zelensky on TikTok or what, but that that's an outlier. Fourteen percent of under thirty-fives compared to seventy percent of us old farts. Expanding Medicare to cover dental and mental health, uh, $13 or 13%, depending which way you look at it. That's another Greens policy that they're, you know, attacking Labor on. Yeah. Uh, increasing Job Seeker, 8%. Also relevant this week because of the uh, RoboDebt Royal Commission recommending on Friday that instead of a compensation scheme for particular victims, there should be an overall increase in welfare to improve the dignity of people looking for work. But 8%, is that on the, on the low side or about what you'd expect? I don't know. Like, You'd expect there to be an even distribution. The fact that there's not and those are the outliers are probably the most interesting here. I'm just looking in terms of voting as well, if anything stands up. Like what's really interesting is construction of social housing is top of the pots for both Labor and Green voters. Um, Liberals, it is reducing national debt. And then there's sort of, on most of the others, it's pretty much nonpartisan, like they're all sort of between about 8 and 10%. Anyway, we'll do that again sometime. That was fun. I think you're right about it being one of those things where it's in the eye of the beholder where Labor and the Greens will say, see, pass the housing bill or see, this is why we need the housing bill to be better. Yeah. Last one, we had a novelty question. Uh, This is going to help if you're pissed with your mates at the pub and you've put your sports betting app on your phone away, but you're you're betting each other of a different nature. What should you pick if you're playing scissors, paper, rock? So this question might just break the game forever. 
48% of people go rock first. I think it's because we're lazy and when you're doing one, two, three, you just keep your fist closed. I also feel it's a bit of a power play. It's always been my preferred. So I've always thought the alpha thing to do is just go rock and go confident. But 48% of people do it. So if you're amongst the 22% that normally start with paper, you have got a 50% chance of winning every round. And then there's 30% who are on scissors who are like the habitual victims. So I was interested if there was any political analysis around this. Sadly, no. Liberal and Labor voters are exactly the same, as are most of the minor parties. Everyone goes for the fist. Now, I don't know what that means. I'm still not quite sure why we put it in the poll, but thanks, John Remington, for thinking about it. But, um, you know, a, a hundred theories could breed off this about why rock is the anchor for most Australians. I think it's because it's the one that you read out last. Scissors, paper, rock. It's the last one. <laughs> and so if you want to test the power of the poll or the power of the podcast, come back and ask in a year and see if everyone's, see if everyone's, gone, everyone's, paper. everyone's gone paper. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think I, I'd that... love to have some greater meaning to that. And I was trying to torture the metaphors back, but I just don't think it's going to do anyone any good. Um you wanted no voters to all be picking rock, didn't you? <laughs> I did I did do the test, I must say. We didn't put it up on voting intention on The Voice and their, their role of um, scissors, paper, rock. But, yes, there was no difference. So sometimes you learn that not all your theories are correct. Would have been a different column. What have we got next fortnight? Star signs or, uh, you know? I'm actually really interested in having a look at how much the PWC and the impact of Big Four is cutting through on the Australian public. I think, I still think it's an issue that is seen as being inside politics rather than outside politics, but I've got a suspicion that there is a bigger piece about the whole way we look at government and potentially that what's been put up as the antidote to government distrust has actually become a, a further source of distrust. Mm, very interesting. I look forward to seeing the results on that one to see if, how the brand damage is going for consultancies. Mm. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much for joining us, Peter. Pleasure, Paul. This episode was produced by Mel Chun and Alison Chan. Production assistance from Karishma Luthria. Our executive producer is Miles Martignoni. Thanks for listening. We'll have another episode of Australian Politics on Saturday. Hey, Jane Lee here. I'm one of the hosts of Full Story. And I want to tell you about a way you can catch up on some of The Guardian's award-winning journalism. It's in print and it gets delivered to your door no matter where you are in Australia. The Guardian Weekly magazine is our global news magazine, which features in-depth articles, including pics from Guardian Australia's editors. It comes out once a week and it can help you make sense of a busy news cycle. You can currently sign up and buy your first 12 issues for $12. That's just a dollar an issue. But this offer won't be around forever, so go and subscribe today at theguardian.com forward slash weekly Australia. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.